Well, now that the Baldings are here, we can get started. <laughs> what else are siblings for? Give them a hard time. It's good to be back on a Sunday morning. Mike and I had a great time last week in Nashville, but I uh, was really wishing I was here. We thought, well, maybe we could make it home. We'll see. You know, we were leaving Nashville before five. I was like, well, this, this could happen. And then a couple hours later, I was like, you want to stop somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. so this time a week ago, we were having breakfast in Mount Vernon, Illinois, and wishing that we were here. So, <clears throat> so it's good to be back. It's great to be here. So, Jesus, we just we thank you and praise you for. <coughs> watching over us and keeping us. <coughs> God is only you can do. And we're, we're grateful for your love and, and for your presence and for everything that you do for us. Now that, uh, that no matter what happens in our life, underneath is the, underla- the everlasting arms. And we just would praise you uh, for your faithfulness and your great love. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Go with me to Matthew 8. Eight. Ocho. Mateo, capítulo ocho. Yes. I am silly. Behind every great man is a woman rolling her eyes. <laughs> or something like that. That's what I've always heard anyway. <clears throat> so if you uh, if you were here Friday night, you're blessed. If you weren't here Friday night, you're still blessed. Maybe just a little bit less blessed. <laughs> just kidding. I'm feeling honored this morning. <clears throat> um, it was really precious. You know, God, I'm talking about faith and how, you know, the brother asked, is faith a, a feeling or is it a choice? And, and I was thinking, it's a choice, it's a choice. And, and Ron's like, well, it's a gift. You know, because God gives it to you. And, uh, and I was really blessed by that. <clears throat> and, uh, and actually, during the day on Friday and, and yesterday, I was contemplating this passage here in Matthew 8 and thinking about faith because, um, because he's right. Faith is a gift. You know, that, that gift that he gives us to, to, uh, to believe. In this invisible God, but but it is a choice uh, as well, and and it's a feeling really. If you want to get down to it, I think all three of those things are are really applicable because you can feel faith or not, you know. <clears throat> but uh, that can be a sticky place because if you don't feel good about a certain thing, then it's really easy to feel like it's going to just be a disaster, and maybe it wouldn't be. Uh, knowing that, uh, that the Word of God trumps our feelings is a, is a great thing. Uh, and that's why I wanted to read this uh, here in Matthew 8, uh, starting in uh, verse 5. It says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came to him a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. 
I like how he doesn't say, I'll come see what I can do. It's <laughs> like, well, I've, he's like, let me get my doctor bag and my Tylenol and see what I can do about it. You know, no, he said, I will come and heal me because he understood that he could. <clears throat> and the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. And I would, I would have really enjoyed getting to see the look on Jesus' face when uh, when the centurion is telling him this because, uh, I don't know, I would think incredulity would probably be the best expression that he would have had, you know. He says, I'm not worthy that you come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant should be healed, for I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goes, <clears throat> to another come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. That's like being a boss. Sometimes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but he he had this understanding that if if Jesus said it, that was enough for him, because he 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 had not just this blind faith, I guess you could say, but an intelligent faith. He could see that that Jesus had authority and that uh and and he understood that that his word is sufficient and his his word trumps the appearance of the circumstance maybe i shouldn't keep using the word trump maybe i should use a different word you think <laughs> supersedes maybe that's better sound it sounds better too but he, but he understood that that if he said it, that was enough for him, and and that's why I was saying that faith is like a choice, because you can look at what you see or you can look at what he said, and and then you have to decide which of these am I going to go on, because you may not feel like this would be the right thing to do, and there are times that God will just that faith will just come on you and you can't feel it. And, and you just take hold and, and you do things that you wouldn't normally do. But <clears throat> it's at a moment like this where he could make a choice that, well, I'm going to base my decision-making on on what he said, not on what I see. <clears throat> and when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say to you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. So I like how he points out to everybody, all these Jews that are around, he's like, this guy's not even a Jew. And and he gets this. He believes it. And uh, <clears throat> and, and uh, if you read this in the other Gospels, this is the only one where he goes on and says this. And I say to you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's good news for us because that would be us. So, having been gathered from the four winds, but the children of the kingdom should be cast into outer darkness, and there should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And uh, you could spend a lot of time there in uh, in Romans, uh, where Paul talks about uh, being grafted in by faith, and uh, and that's a, a blessing. And maybe I'll go over there and read some of that here in a minute. Uh, but he says. Uh, Jesus said to the centurion, Go thy way, 
And as you have believed, so be it done to you. And his servant was healed in that self-same hour. And uh, <clears throat> and that's really great because he just, he, he believed it. <clears throat> Excuse me. But again, to me, it seems like he... He believed on the basis of he could see the authority of, of, of Jesus' words and the, the power that he walked in. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, if you don't trust somebody, it's really hard to believe them or to follow them and think this is going to turn out all right. You know? Wow. My bad. I wasn't expecting a work call on a Sunday morning. <clears throat> I know, yeah, that's where is this guy? He ought to be here. Man. <sighs> okay, sorry about that. Alright. Anyway. You know, when when we were in Nashville, we were uh Got to meet some really cool people, and there was this company there from Ohio, and uh, everybody was supposed to get up and talk about things that worked really well for them and things that they needed help on, and then we were all going to kind of collectively, you know, take that value from them, but also brainstorm and help them with their problem. And uh, <clears throat> this guy got up, and uh, and then he read that scripture that talks in Proverbs about, um, uh, you know, there is that. Uh, um, oh, how's it go? My mind is well. yes, scatters and yet increases, and and uh, him that withholds more than his meat and tends to poverty, and uh, and and he and he put the numbers on the on the whiteboard of how his business was growing, and you couldn't argue with him that it worked, and uh, and he talked about this culture of giving that they had uh, and uh, and bonuses for their guys and stuff. I thought, wow, that was really cool, <clears throat> but. Uh, um, I was talking to uh, one of the guys that he brought with him, and uh, we were talking about uh, um, how it's like we decided if you can't do it Monday through Friday, then it just doesn't need done. And he was like, "Yeah, absolutely." He's like, "You guys," and he was talking to Mike. He's like, "You guys seem to have a similar culture that our business has." Mike's like, "Yeah, I'm a Christian." He's like, "Okay, I thought so." Yeah. So he's like, "You guys seem like it." I was just checking. So. So we got to meet some really cool people. <clears throat> it was really cool. We got to meet the guy that played the bailiff on Night Court. He was there. Sorry, he just looked just like him. But uh, anyway, so that's all free. Um, so now, now we're going back on the clock. Um, so he says, "Go your way, as you believe, so be it done to you." You know, and people take this to be like, you know, if you believe that. You're gonna have a heart attack, then well, you said it, so God's gonna make it happen, you know. And it's the most ridiculous thing ever. Um, you know, <clears throat> James said that. Um, uh, well, let me look at look at it. I'm not gonna quote it right if I don't look at it. Let's see. Um, it said uh, in James, 
1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which gives all men liberally, and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. He that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. For a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So, it, you know, it's, it is certainly important to, you know, have that sense of, of faith, you know, because Jesus said, when you, when you pray, you know, believe the things that you're saying are going to happen, and so it does. And uh, <clears throat> and so the centurion believed that this was going to work, and it worked. You know, Jesus went to a place and it said he could do there no mighty miracles because of their unbelief. So uh, he certainly needs that. It's almost like a. You know, he has all this power and all this ability, and yet he's waiting on your permission to do this. Because when he healed the blind guys, he said, do you believe that I can do this? And they said, yes, absolutely. <clears throat> My favorite example of all of that is the guy with the sick boy. And uh, and he said, do you believe that I can do this? And he said, yeah, I believe. Well, actually, um, not so much, but I really desperately need an answer from you so please help my unbelief and and i like that because he he pretty much flat out admitted that well i don't really believe i just i, I want to but i'm really struggling with this thing so help me with this and he, he got what he was after so <clears throat> it's a precious thing uh, go with me over to um, hebrews 3 It's interesting how God puts things together for you, and sometimes you don't figure it out until later. Like, I read that passage uh, in Matthew uh, Friday morning, and I had actually been lamenting that I had been reading and reading, and nothing was really standing out to me like it normally does. I usually get about half a chapter into whatever I'm reading, and something will really catch my attention, and then I usually study that for a few days. And I just got, I had read like 10 chapters and everything was just stuff, you know, like, ah. And, and I, I had that sense of something about that verse was very arresting to me, um, about, you know, according to your faith, so be it done to you. And I still was, I was like, well, what about that is so arresting? I mean, it seems kind of cut and dried. Uh, I got a busy about my day and, uh, thinking about how much I was looking forward to going to prayer on Friday night and uh, feeling like a, uh, like my spirit had chapped lips, you know? Just like, oh, man. <laughs> and I um, really was looking forward to being here. And uh, and I had this thought of, well, it'll probably just be kind of one of those humdrum, run-of-the-mill kind of prayer services. And then at the same time, like I mean, immediately following that, I had this very arresting sense of no God's going to do something special and uh and I just I had that that feeling of faith it's like wow yeah that that's yep that, that that's right and uh got busy about what I was doing and I actually forgot all about it until I got here and then God did something special and I was like oh how about that and he talked about faith so I'm still trying to put together everything that, that God was saying, but I was really encouraged by that. 
it's uh, it's a blessing how he he leads us and he and he gets us places where um, we could have never gotten without him getting us there. And you you kind of show up looking like you've got all your duckies in a row, and it's actually just because he has all your duckies in a row. <laughs> uh, definitely a definitely a blessing. <clears throat> I mean, his just his faithfulness is uh, is really, really, really a blessing. And you know, when you see, I don't know, it's interesting because it's easy to get insulated being here every week, and you don't really see other people much and stuff. And about the only people I talk to are people that don't really want to talk to me anyway. Um, and because uh, I'm a salesman, of course. And so, who wants to talk to a salesman? And uh, <coughs> um, you know, and come here, and everybody's like, you know, ticker tape parade. They're happy to see you. And, uh, um, you know, and, and like I said, Mike and I had a great time being in Nashville. And, I mean, who better to take a road trip over the weekend than with your best buddy? But it was like, man, I kind of miss being home. And, uh, um, and then just being really, been really busy with all this work stuff. I know you guys wouldn't understand that, but um, it's it's a blessing how God just, he just takes care of you and, and gets you through. And last night I, I started feeling really, really sick. And uh, I was thinking this morning, oh. uh, took my temperature, I didn't have a fever. I was like, oh good, I could at least limp to church. But because uh, uh, I was thinking, well, I feel really horrible if I wasn't doing the Sunday school and it wasn't Sunday morning already. I would maybe be tempted to call in sick. <coughs> but uh, you know, the the faithfulness of God is really a blessing, and I really appreciate Him. Um, you know, and here in Hebrews is an interesting, you know, cautionary tale. You know, after you read what Jesus said to this to all these people there with, uh, with the centurion, because he says that. Uh, um, basically says you guys are going to be are going to miss the boat, but the Gentiles are are, are going to believe. They're going to see this. And he says, um, um, in chapter how about twelve, three twelve. <coughs> Um, and of course, he's you know he's talking about the how Jesus is uh, superior to Moses, and and he's talking about the wilderness and and uh, the experience they had there. And he says, "Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, in departing from the living God." So that's interesting. He calls it an evil heart of unbelief. You know, uh, you ever you ever tell somebody something and you know that they do not believe you at all. They're just kind of like, yeah, okay. That's not true at all. Yeah. You know, and uh, and and when you know that you're telling the truth, because you, know, you should be right, Christian, right? So um, then it's it's aggravating. It's like, what, what do you mean? It's like, that's, that's so evil of you not to believe me. You know, but, you know, the thing is, those were just people, and uh, to some degree, it's not entirely unreasonable to not trust everything somebody says. But 
Um, you know, God has given us no excuse of any sort, no reason to not think He would come through for us, to, to doubt that that what He said would come to pass. And it's easy to look back at the at the children of Israel coming to uh, the Promised Land and uh, and bailing out, and and kind of want to point and be like, well, that's dumb. But uh, <clears throat> you know, it's an interesting thing without that sense of faith in knowing that God will take care of you and that that if he said this is going to work out okay, it'll work out okay. You know, and that goes back to that faith being a choice thing because it doesn't look good. These guys are big and there's lots of them and they have walls and we have women and children and no hardly any weapons to speak of. Um, you know, you could look at that which they did. And, and decide that this isn't going to work. Um, <clears throat> but then once uh, once God brought in that new man into the promised land, then they I, they went ahead and did what God told them to do. And he's very wise to... Um, it was long enough and uh, unpleasant enough before that chance came around again. They weren't about to mess it up this time. And, of course, I'm sure they'd all grown up hearing these stories of, well, we came to the promised land, and Joshua and Caleb were like, we could totally do this, and everybody else was like, no, man, this is this is bad, let's not, and, and I wish I could go back and decide to be on Joshua and Caleb's side, to be on the Lord's side with this thing, so... He said that we were going to be out here for a while, so when when you get your chance, like for, for crying out loud, do do whatever it is God wants you to do. And uh, but he says it's an evil heart of unbelief uh, in departing from the living God. And that's an interesting thought, departing from Him because uh, through unbelief, not not believing the things that you have to say. Um, you know, and, and sometimes we treat um, unbelief casually. I mean, there are times that you just wrestle with something. Um, you know, but to just take what God says and be like, nah, nah, I don't believe that, or I don't think that's going to work, or to, you know, to, to sit in judgment of the things that, that God has to say, that would be that evil heart of unbelief. <clears throat> so he says, uh, exhort one another daily while it is called today. I like I like that sense of let's just deal with it right now, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And and uh, sin will make you hard. Um, you know, being away from the presence of God will make you hard. I mean, it's not like I was out being stupid, but like after like missing church for a week or so, and just being busy about other things. I mean, it's not like I didn't spend any time in the Word, but I just felt kind of crusty and maybe a little crunchy on the outside and uh, so it's it's a precious thing how God softens us back up as we get into his presence <coughs> but uh, but sin is, will definitely harden you up he says for we're made partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end you know and of course you know think back to when you first met the Lord and you just had all this enthusiasm and joy, and you, you didn't 
he hadn't even proven himself to you really yet through this long series of circumstance, but um, but you just believed that he could just handle whatever. And it's funny how as we get older, that sense of, of expectation of him taking care of things should grow, not diminish. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean... When I when I gave my heart to the Lord, I was a teenager, and I think when you're a teenager, it's especially easy to just kind of be like, eh, whatever. You know, it's like, it's like God's got this. You know, the stakes seem a lot lower when you live at mom and dad's house, and and you know, so forth and so on. Um, but uh, uh, this month makes 18 years since I moved out of my parents' house, and I can tell you that God hasn't let me down yet. So, dating myself a little bit there. But, uh, um, you know, and I've been through some times where I was, I, I didn't feel like he was going to come through for me. I did, if I looked around, it didn't look good. I remember Mike lives with Cynthia and I, and we spent a winter living on uh, ramen noodles and expired cake mix. And uh, that was that was how we got through the winter. We paid the bills uh, somehow. And, you know, nobody went hungry. But, you know, God, you know, he he's really wise to take you through stuff like that because it really helps you appreciate the blessings that he gives you. So <clears throat> nothing like, you know, going through those difficult places to make you appreciate what he does for you. <clears throat> and so, you know, and, and that's, that's just my testimony, you know, that, that he just takes care of you and takes care of you. We met this couple that was there at uh, in Nashville. And uh, and I told him one of my favorite stories um, about the time that I was really, right, right when we started our business, and I was really, really wrestling about how I was going to pay my phone bill, how I was going to keep Jeremy in diapers, because he was like three months old. And, uh, uh, you know, I mean, we weren't, I wasn't quite down to the rice and beans and like feeling the bags yet, but uh, the kitchen was getting rather slim. You know, and I didn't advertise where we where we were at. Um, I had all of this. I had great credit. I had all kinds of credit I could tap to uh, make my problems worse. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I decided I'm not going to do that because that's you know I, I'm going to trust God instead of a piece of plastic that'll just make my problems go away until later because then they'll be back and they'll be bigger. And I, I just wrestled and wrestled and wrestled all morning uh, in prayer. And it was a blizzard outside. And uh, the apartment building we lived in, the hallways faced east uh, and west. And the hallways were just filled with snow, uh, like big drifts of snow in there. You couldn't hardly get from the, the parking lot to the buildings through the snow drifts. And uh, so, <clears throat> especially for somebody who had no idea how to even find work, you know, we didn't really have any uh, prospects of going to work anytime soon, and uh, I finally I realized that I was I was wearing a hole in the in the carpet in my room, pacing around, and that um, I was instead of really asking God to help me now, I'm just kind of beating this dead horse. It's like I've I've gone over it enough times that now I'm just getting worked up and focusing on the problem instead of on Him. So I decided, okay, you know, Lord, either you're going to do something about this or nothing is going to get done about it. 
but um, I'm uh, I'm just going to leave this with you, and I'm just going to go go sit out there with the with the family. And uh, um, actually, I went out to the the kitchen table and like got out my Bible and I started reading. And uh, there's a knock at the door. It's like ten in the morning in a blizzard. And you know, I'm picturing like you know Mike in a parka. You know, looking like Han Solo from The Empire Strikes Back, standing at my door. I'm wondering, I was like, why didn't he just call me? It's like he didn't need to come over here. And uh, and I opened the door, and Amber's standing there. And, and she lived in Tulsa at the time. And I was like, what are you doing here? She didn't even say hi. She just she just told me get your coat. We're going shopping. You know, and I didn't tell anybody where we were at. And, and Cynthia and I badger her endlessly while we're wandering around the store, filling this cart to overflowing with stuff. Like, did you have like a budget in mind or, or what? It's like, you know, depending on your disposition, it can be very uncomfortable or very comfortable spending someone else's money. <laughs> For me, it was rather uncomfortable spending someone else's money. Um, and she's like, no, no, you just get what you need, and that's that. And that's like if I. She's like, if I told you what number I had in mind, you wouldn't get what you need. So just get what you need. And I never forgot about that. And uh, and so I was telling these people about that, and and they were like, wow, that's really awesome. Because we had these little cards, and you're supposed to, every person that got up to present uh, about their business, you're supposed to write some sort of something to them. You know, it's like a suggestion, or even just you know, kudos or whatever. And uh, we were talking about needing some uh, some good painters. Uh, for the spring, and uh, they were like, "This might sound silly on this little card, like, but we just pray for them. <laughs> it's like we just ask God to give us somebody." I was like, "Yeah, believe me, <laughs> that that is that is the core of my recruitment program, dear Jesus." <laughs> so, so so far, my other efforts have not been super effective yet, but um, but uh, but you know that's the thing is God. He 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 gives us those testimonies, and they are not fun places to be. But having come through those places, um, it's really awesome to be able to brag on how God came through for you. Not because you did anything, but because He did something that you could not have made happen. You know, I mean, I I could have, you know, I could have made a whole campaign out of it and called everybody I knew. It's like, you know, here's the like, Jeremy needs diapers. Uh, uh, fun drive, you know, it's like, you know, call now, 979-0700, pledge your money today, you know, I could have, but, you know, it wouldn't really, wouldn't really be the same as having God just come through for you, and just, just, you know, leaving that need between you and Him, <clears throat> so it's a precious thing, you know, and it's no wonder He says it's an evil heart of unbelief, you know, because, you know, uh, I, I know uh, I've said it several times, but it's like, how about somebody come up and give me some sort of testimony about how God let you down? So there is none. He does not. <clears throat> so we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence fast, steadfast unto the end. And so that's great. I like that beginning of confidence. That's where I got off on my, my little tangent there. But see, God takes you through those things to prove to you that he'll take care of you. You know, I mean, his. You would think, like the centurion, that his word would be enough. 
It's like, well, he said it, didn't he? But he, he proves it to us because he remembers our frame and he remembers that we're dust. And so he's like, I'm going to prove to you that this works. You know, yes, it worked for Abraham. Yes, it worked for Joshua. But it works for you. And, and, and I'm going to prove to you that it works for you. <clears throat> so, uh, while it said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, isn't the provocation. For some, when they heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved? Forty years in the wilderness. Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? So he talks about this this unbelief and this, this complaining. This, okay, God brought us out here. Now he's going to let us die of thirst. Now he's going to let us die of starvation. Now he's going to let us die of we don't have pizza. It's like, you know. And But, but God calls it sin. He's like, like, did I bring you out of Egypt or not? Did, did I prove to you that I chose you and that I love you and that I brought you out here? Do you think I'm going to bring you out here to kill you? You know, and that's what they said. It's like, were there not enough graves in Egypt? And uh, and yet, um, you know, God proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that His love and His choice was was on them. And and there's uh, they had every reason to to believe that that He would take them in. That I mean. Who tore up Egypt? Was it the armies of Israel or was it God? It was God. So they had just come through that. One would think they would they would expect the same thing in the promised land. Maybe it's because God talked about them going in and fighting. And so maybe now that doesn't seem so grand. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always great to have somebody do something for you that you're uncomfortable with or, or whatever, it's, it is a different matter when you have to do it yourself. And uh, so I, I have learned that in spades over the last six months. Like I, I have spent the last like 20 years avoiding the phone. And God gives me this job where I talk on the phone all the time. And not only do I talk on the phone, I talk on the phone with people who don't want to talk to me because I want something from them. Like, I mean, talk about it making it uncomfortable for me. It's like, I didn't mind talking on the phone when I was a kid, and then I got this job at a pizza place, and I didn't do well with uh, with taking the calls. It was hard to hear, and, and like, Lawrence is not that big, and yet they didn't deliver to the whole town, and it's like, I don't know where some obscure little address is, and so, it's like, I don't know if it's in their area or not. I just take the order, and then the driver would get all mad at me, because... You know, he had to drive out of his area or whatever. I left that job after about three weeks, and I avoided the phone like the plague ever since. You know, and then Mike and I started our business, and they'll be like, yeah, we should do that. And get your phone out, call him. I'm, I'm driving, you know. <laughs> and uh, occasionally, if I can, I still beg phone calls off on Mike, but... Uh, uh, I have kind of come to this place where now I just have to, uh, and and then but in that God proves to me, see you can do this. It's not that bad. You'll live. And uh, so it's funny because you know to some people be like, what's the big deal? It's the phone. But for me, it's like, oh God, yeah. it's like they're going to be rude to me because I called them, you know. But God proves to us that he will take care of us. And he puts us in those places just like he did them. He's like, okay, so now we're going to go in here. And I'm not telling you I'm not going to help you, but I'm telling you that you are going to get out your sword 
and you are going to go run towards those angry people over there. And uh, I think it would make me uncomfortable as well, but but he had already proven to them, like, I'll, I'll take care of you. And so it says, to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. So they, they missed the boat on on this um, on the promised land because they they didn't believe. So in chapter four he says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should come seem to come short of it. Indeed. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So that's the key then, isn't it? You know, and the interesting thing is, is, is he says, and I think it's here in Hebrews, that, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. So, so the Word of God is then that source to even, to, to build up that faith. You know, it's like, maybe you don't have too many testimonies just yet of all the cool things that God will do for you, but he's got this, this book full of them. It's like, that, you know, Joshua asked him to not let the sun go down. And and yet it, you know, you would think that if the if the Earth just kind of stopped, you think everything would go flying. It's like, have you ever been in a in a car and you hit something at a high rate of speed? As I have, and uh, you know, you you keep going, and that's that's why they have seat belts. And the uh, you know, first day I had my driver's license, I flipped my car over into a creek, and uh, had my windows down and everything. But fortunately, I had my seatbelt on. So by the time my car came to stop upside down, I was dangling from the seatbelt. So they work. But um, uh, um, but being mixed with faith, and then they heard it. So building up your faith then in the Word of God and in those testimonies that He's given you. The testimonies that the people around you have. You know, I mean, I, I like a good commentary. I love G. Campbell Morgan. I love Spurgeon. And uh, <clears throat> I, you'd think I, I read them ravenously based on how many I have on my shelf, but I don't. Um, but you know what I really, really enjoy reading is biographies, testimonies. It's like, like, you know, reading about Brother Andrew and Corey Ten Boom. It's like, all oh, these Dutch people are so cool. You know, it's like, man, it's like I'm born in the wrong place. Um, but it's a, it's a blessing to read those those things and find out what God does, you know, and, and just and see that because you can take those things to yourself. It's like, man, God, I, I know that you would do that for me. You know, I, I, I could look at my circumstance and think, eh, I don't know, it's worked out so well, but I'm going to choose to believe that, that you would do this for me. And that's what she said. You said you were no respecter of persons. That if you did it for somebody, you'd do it for me. <coughs> Run to us was the gospel preached as well as to them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest... Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, I like he says that almost like it's an aside, you know. But he's it's like uh, he's like you know they believe enter into his rest, 
you know, because if you if you believe that he's going to get you down through there, then he's going to get you down through there. And you don't need to fuss and fret so much about, am I going to get down there? Because I am. And, uh, you know, uh, if you've never read Heinz Feet on High Places, it's a really great read. It's an allegory book um, about this girl named Much Afraid that was crippled. And the shepherd offers to take her to the high places. And she thinks, I could never get there. And she gets there. He gets her there. And by the time she gets there, not only is she not lame, but she's like dancing. And, and she's, you know, it, it's an awesome book. you got to read it. But, uh, you know, that's like entering into that rest. It's like, I, I can rest about this thing turning out okay because I know that God's going to come through for me. So he says, they which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I've sworn in my wrath, they shall enter into my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, they say, I, I took care of this at the outset. Because, you know, the Bible talks about Jesus having been uh, as a land that was slain from the foundations of the world. You know, and, and we you start out the very beginning of Genesis with this picture of, of Christ and of Calvary. And so he, he, he settles the matter at the outset. So, let's see. For he said in a certain place on the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter in therein, they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. So he said somebody's got to, is going to have to make it. Somebody's going to enter into his rest. And these guys missed it. And again, if you go over to Romans, it's a, it's a, a real blessing where he talks about how we've been grafted in by faith and they were cut out because of unbelief. But uh, And he says, but but if the casting off of Israel be uh, you know, was for our salvation, then what would the receiving of them back to the God be but life from the dead. Let's see. Seeing therefore it remains that some must enter in, they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limits a certain day in David, saying, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, today if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts. If Joshua had given them rest, he would not have afterwards spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest to the people of God. For he that's entered into his rest has also ceased from his own works, as God did from his. And let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. That's good stuff. So there, there is that rest to be had. And, uh, uh, and it doesn't mean that... Uh, if you're always going to get to sit in your comfy chair with your feet up in your pajamas, but um, but this sense of having rested, having ceased from your own works, uh, and and knowing that the things that God would have me do is He's going to do. He just needs me to be there. Um, uh, that understanding makes a big difference. Um, knowing that, well. God just needs he needs somebody with skin on to show up and let him say what he wants to say. Let him do what he wants to do. So, really, all I kind of need to do is just be there and, and just kind of let him do what it is he wants to do. And that, that's like that ceasing from your own works. But he says let's labor to enter into that rest. 
and there's the there's the the kicker, as they say. And and it's kind of a funny way to put it: laboring to enter into rest. I mean, that's kind of what I did every day at work when I worked in the fields. Like, man, I'm going to labor all day, and I'm going to enter into my rest when I get home. But um, but no, it's uh, we we all have that wrestling, like we've been talking about, just like the children of Israel went through. We all experience those those same kinds of wrestling. So we're not finding fault, um, but it's an example to us to uh, to make better choices and uh, and to, to trust Him. But he says, uh, let's labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Ah, why not? For the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So that's good stuff. I mean, you, you, where do you stop? But, you know, God just He takes really, really good care of us, and he proves to us, that that he can be trusted, and so he 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 talks about this not wrestling, but an but a uh, uh, just a an outright refusal to believe the things that he has to say as being an evil heart of unbelief, and uh, and so he he knows if you're wrestling about something, and and it's a, a blessing that he he puts that he put that story in there about the man with bringing his son. To Jesus, and he's like, I believe. Help my unbelief, and uh, and so that's what he does, and that's and that's why he talked. That's why Ron was talking Friday night about faith being a gift, because he didn't have any, and uh, and he was honest enough with with Jesus to tell him, well, I, like I know what to say, but I think you probably know what I'm thinking, so I'll just say it, and. Uh, but but that that sense of honesty and that 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 humility of calling out on him and, and just telling him this is what I really need, and then that that gift of faith shows up, and and Jesus uh, he touched that boy and and it's a blessing. So Jesus, we just thank you today for your word to us, for your great faithfulness, God, for these testimonies that you've given us, uh, God, to be confident that that having begun a good work in us, you'll complete it. Lord, and that that we can trust you to to come through for us and to <coughs> sorry <coughs> do the things that you said you would do. God, we pray in your name, and we we just pray that you would cause that faith to rise up inside of us. That God, uh, all these facets of it, this gift of faith that would uh, that would inspire us, Lord God, this this feeling of faith that we would take hold of the things that you're doing, God, in the choice of faith, God, to believe. Uh, what you say over the circumstances that we see before us. God, bring these things to pass in us, God, as only you can do. In your name we pray. Amen and amen.